0: Ask your doctor about Air Supra, Albuterol, Budesonide. Eligible patients can pay as little as zero dollars per inhaler, subject to eligibility rules and maximum savings limits. Restrictions may apply. Visit AirSupraSavings.com to learn more.
1: This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Isn't it bullshit to have to question where your food comes from? At Vital Farms, you can trace your pasture-raised eggs all the way back to the source—the pasture. On the side of each pasture-raised carton of eggs, you'll find the name of the farm where your eggs were laid. And when you look the farm up on their website, you'll get a peek at all the sunshine, fresh air, and open space the hens enjoy. Learn more and find out where to buy them at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free.
2: It is the homecoming episode of the Final Word Cricket Podcast. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon, Season 15, Episode 11. We're recording on Wednesday, the 22nd of November. We're both in the same time zone. We're both in Australia and we've got a lot to get through following the World Cup and... uh... Uh, and plenty more on our agenda. We're both absolutely staffed. I've been uh, on the way back from London with both of my children and my wife, of course, and it was hard work, as was last night with Baby Jet Lag. I wouldn't recommend it, but we're here anyway because we can't stop, we won't stop. <laughs> hello, Jeff.
3: Baby Jet Lag, do 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 Baby <laughs> Jet Lag. Doo, 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 doo. It's not as fun as the song. No. Um, no. Hello, yes, I, I'm in Melbourne. It's a beautiful November day. The sky is blue, the sun's come out. It's that in-between sort of temperature where it's a little bit cool but a little bit nice. I mean something just that alone that I haven't experienced to uh, getting getting to the airport and they were like oh the, the local temperature is 15 degrees. I was like 15 degrees. I don't remember what 15 degrees feels like. Everything was a novelty. I skipped out of there. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. And then here we are. We linked up the video call this morning um, and the w- when yours connected you weren't in the room and all I could hear was a loud screaming from the from the, the next room of <laughs> a, a baby. Not not just crying but howling oh, um yeah. in, in sort of existential despair. So I can only imagine what your last 36 hours have been like.
2: It's been hard. Look, we're battle-hardened, Rach and I, with this. We've done this journey with Winnie a number of times and other sort of long distance flights. We did the trip to Hong Kong with with Peggy and Winnie in, I guess it was April. But yeah, a 24-hour trip with both of them is different gravy. Um, So um, we got there. Uh, Obviously, we got there in the end, but it required a, a lot of negotiation, and negotiating with a three-and-a-half-year-old who sometimes presents as a 13-and-a-half-year-old, mm. increasingly the <laughs> case with Winnie. And Why is she driving a car? How, yeah. How did that oh. happen? She's uh, she's wonderful and I adore her, but she's bloody hard work at the moment. So that was uh, that was part of the fun that hasn't been in the past. And yes, all of that. Not to complain, though. It's a good problem to have that uh, I have all of them here with me. Not a problem at all. It's great they're all with me because Rachel's on that leave, of course. Anyway, enough about me. But yeah, the the episode we recorded at Heathrow and in your case, Amderbad uh, Airport, I suppose, is where you were at the time. That's mm. quite a funny one. So that should have gone out before the David Gower interview. And by the way, thank you for the nice comments about the Gower interview. I'm glad it's um, hit the spot so nice nicely and you can find that in the feed if you uh, are yet to listen to it. So I was in yeah, Heathrow Terminal 2, you were at Underbud, and we did this thing thinking that it would go out while we were midair and then we ran into any number of technical challenges the podcast Mm. does exist you've done some surgery on the audio but it's going to go out after this one so our you know we used to call them our day six episodes during the ashes we did one of those being a world cup final we thought it was worthy but it's going to go out some five days after the final which in itself is interesting hopefully still that the reflections we made then wouldn't have dated too much but yeah, not not our first radio when it comes to recording stuff that gets released way out of order.
3: Well, look, sometimes you just have to work with it. Um, there was there was a degree of salvage that needed to happen, which I spent my time in Saigon Airport um, <laughs> doing that. And but but the rescue operation worked, so we do actually have an episode, and it can be released, and it will be released. And and the one that I'm doing right now, I'm sitting on my balcony, so you you might hear some parrots or some traffic or whatever in the background, but that's that's just the. Name nature of the 3D textured audio experience that we bring to you here on The Final Word. Uh, you also told me that you ran into Mitchell Stark on your way through Tullamarine, is that right? I
2: did, well, I'm in Sydney actually, so I, uh, at um, it's, oh, Sydney it's yeah. International last night, he came back because he's not playing.
3: Everyone else was landing at Tullar for some reason, Cummins and, right. and company were, I, I think, um, or at least that's what the, maybe it was just some of them, but they were the photos were put up in a collage anyway, I, I assume Cummins would have gone back to Sydney. I
2: think they had something to do with a number of them going through Africa um, for the one day trip and Stark didn't I've got a feeling it's got something to do with the route they were on or something so a bunch of them went via the UAE to come home but Stark came via Singapore on the flight I was on and um, yeah, he was in good nick. You, you, as you'd expect, he was in good form. Uh, it just a sort of general chit-chat at the arrivals hall about what they'd achieved. And the difference here, as and I'm sure he won't mind me saying, was that in 2015, yeah, you're in Melbourne, just go out, right? You know, go to whichever nightclub you're going out to and enjoy yourself. Different story when you're in a dry, stra- dry state in Ahmedabad, because they were still celebrating and having a few beers, but restrictions on alcohol and drinking in public and I'm not saying that all celebrations for sporting events need to be booze-fueled, but this, I suppose, was inevitably going to be at some level. But they had to get more resourceful than would otherwise be the case. We had a couple of those hotel room parties, Jeff, when we were in Ahmedabad earlier this year. And by parties, I mean we all went into someone's room and had a couple of beers or a glass of wine. They were doing exactly the same thing after winning the World Cup, which I thought was quite nice. So, you know, those photos (laughs) from social media are probably just them uh, in in each other's company without uh, many... Um, others, which in itself nice and cool that they were able to have that moment together as a team and support staff and families and so on.
3: Considering that the marker of the 2015 World Cup win was Brad Haddon going on breakfast radio the next morning, yes. absolutely tanked, having not slept, and all of the various photos Thirsty. of the uh, a bunch of the players <laughs> in there still in their kits where, with the sun coming up, you know holding the World Cup and all the rest of it. Different vibe in Ahmedabad. The, the Gujarat experience is one that you wouldn't necessarily get in a lot of places, um, although I suppose if cricket's going to get brought up and taken to Saudi Arabia and so on, then culturally it maybe it, it'll be much less of a drinking sport over time.
2: True, true that. Yes, that was the thirsty World Cup, wasn't it? When the late Shane Warren went yeah. around and asked all of them, We're thirsty? Thirsty, yeah, "Thirsty, thirsty, thirsty, and, thirsty." Um, and
3: 40 beers, forty-eight and, beers, and Remember it was, it was had him,
2: sixty-four beers, had him pouring the beer on top of the spherical World Cup yeah. in the backdrop as well, which I think you talked about in one of your books. So, all the fun of the fair. Uh, Jeff, speaking of Mitchell Stark, you chatted with him as soon as the World Cup was won. I, I think we should drop that in here. We've got a couple of bits of audio to throw in from afterwards. Um, one a little bit later, but yeah, let's hear from Mitchell Stark in the immediate aftermath of winning the World Cup on Sunday night.
4: Mitchell Stark, two-time World Cup winner. How does that sound? Yeah, I think it'll sink in over the next 48 hours, but um, no, yeah, I mean, you couldn't script it any better. It's um, It's been a tough eight weeks, but uh, yeah, this group of players and staff, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we embraced it all tonight, and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can see the smiles on their faces. It's a, it's, it's a pretty special night. The the build up for you, you know, things weren't clicking completely through the group stage. Came together beautifully
3: in that semi final, and then bowled really well again today. Was it was there that point during the semi final where you thought, okay, we're on here, you know, we, we can go all the way with this?
4: Um, we made it tough for ourselves, um, but we I think that's that's been um, sort of a blueprint for us to scrap when we need to and, and find ways. And I mean none for 120 against Sri Lanka it seems a long time ago now and being 0-2 but um, yeah it's been it's, uh, it's been an incredible night and um, an incredible campaign and I think it's it's everyone in the squad stepped up when they needed to and um, yeah I've, I've lost the words the moment. The roar you're
3: hearing in the background we've got a, a drone light show above us with a map of India in the sky. I've got a feeling that wasn't meant for you guys. Um, did you did you get the sense coming here that this this event was? It seemed from the outside it was very much being set up for one team, um, and and you you were the the second uh, second thought, I suppose, in terms of the invitation list.
4: It's been a little one-sided the crowd tonight, yeah. But no, um, it's been a it's been an experience. It's uh, I mean, full credit to India; they've been phenomenal all the tournament. I um, was certainly the best team all the tournament. Um, We came in underdogs and it almost felt like that was a bit of pressure lifted off our shoulders. It was coming coming to express ourselves and um, if we got on top, stay on top and and we certainly managed to do that. You've got a medal to go and pick up so we'll let you go. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Cheers.
3: Mitchell Stark there, that that was nice. We wandered down, Henry Moran and I, for the BBC, ABC coverage and got to go down and grab a couple of interviews and um, sort of see what was unfolding from close quarters down on the field. One of the... The, the the bits of um, up close that you get to have when, when you're doing the games from the ground, which is pretty special you know, just to be able to mm. to be there, I suppose, um, and to to see the carnival going by.
2: That's going to end up being our most downloaded episode ever, by the way. I'm not sure if you've had a look that uh, I, I was um, having a quick squeeze before, but our, our episode after the final was complete um, has done quite nicely. So if you haven't listened to it yet, you can get more of that energy from the night that was at Ahmedabad, Jeff, uh, before I go any further, uh, we made this announcement on the Gower app, but we should do it again, given this is a weekly show. How brilliant that Bus Super are back with the final word. They were our first sort of long-term partner uh, back in mm-hmm. 2019, before the 2019 Men's World Cup, actually, when they said, we'll back you in. We'll, we'll let you make a podcast every day. We'll give you enough money to make it work kind of your way and that was the start of a beautiful relationship which will continue through the summer of 23 24 they're with us all the way through until Australia played two test matches in New Zealand in March so just chuffs that we can have an old partner be part of what we're doing now as we continue to get hopefully um, mm. bigger uh, in the in the months and, and years to come
3: and it's a sign of maturity in life if you can get along with your old partners you know if you can make them Part of what you're doing now and, and mm. remember remember the connection that was special <laughs> back back then. They were they were gentle, they were tender, they took care of us. So yes, it's lovely to see the C bus back again and we will all be aboard. For people who are confused it is that it's it's the letters C B U S. Yes. That's how you spell it. The other one's a joke. Nonetheless, that is sometimes confusing for people in England, but it's good to be able to talk about uh, people who are doing good things and superannuation is fundamentally a very good thing.
2: Yeah, riding the Bus and so on. Those T-shirts that were made up in, in 2019 by some of our listeners, the only merch that we sort of have apart from the Glenn Maxwell shirt. Anyway, and on that, we'll tell you a lot about Bus over the next four months. But first and foremost, get your super sorted out. And it's not hard to do. CBUSsuper.com.au the sooner you get your act together on this front, uh, the better for you in retirement. It's a pretty simple message to begin. So cbysuper.com.au everything we say in relation to them will be with the caveat that past performance is no reliable indicator on future performance. cbysuper.com.au great to have them back.
3: Now, I was getting various bits of correspondence from Melbourne during the World Cup final, and I'm sure you were too. Uh, Dan Toomey, friend of the show, uh, who runs the Fisher Classics, incredible line of... Cricket-based artwork that you might have seen floating around on the internet. He does customs as well. You can get really, really great Fisher Classic stuff. Very, very creative. Dan Turmy, he tracked down Sonny Munn. Now, if you're a long-time listener to the show, you may you you may be aware of the the sort of the man, the myth, the legend that is Sonny Munn, uh, the 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 guy who gotten Trouble for uh, doing an interview with us back in 2016 about the broken sight screen at the Whacker, and, and on we went from there. Who's who has bobbed up in a bunch of final word stories over the years, who sort of drifts around impossible to locate, um, uncontactable by any conventional means, <laughs> but just shows up in random places <laughs> at random times with no pattern or, or ability to predict it. He did show up at the World Cup final viewing party that was being uh, at least attended, if not hosted by Toomey.
2: Yeah, yeah, so uh, (laughs) Sonny Martin, it was 2015 wasn't it when he described the rolling mall in the printable stand trying to get the sight screen going again. I first went to a test with Sonny in 2010, the Ashes test at Perth and my first real memory of him was when he was watching a an old one-day international on the telly before we were heading in. He goes, "I reckon I run on the ground here. I reckon I run on the ground." It's like from 1994 or something like that. When at the end of a game, he sees himself running onto the gabba when he grew up in Brisbane <laughs> and so on. So he's a larrikin. He's he's just one of these people you meet in life who who leaves a leaves a mark. And um, yeah, Toomes was who the who plays event.
3: cricket with with no shoes, yeah, and no shirt, yeah, who, who bats with not only without pads but without shoes.
2: Yeah, he he uh, Shannon Gill, another mate of the show, who was did. Um, we had the 99 series. We had some of those eps on before the World Cup final and some more will come out in the next two months. Remembers when Sonny walked out wearing a Leonard Copeland top to bat in a Sunday game once. So, you know, this is the guy we're referring to. Anyway, so we're, we're going to move it on to the Vic Hotel in Brunswick. And they gathered... The Reds is who Dan Toomey plays for, and that's relevant to the final word as well. Quick segue. We are playing against the Reds on the 3rd of December at Brunswick Street Oval, which happens to be where Edinburgh play, where Sunny play, so it all ties in here. And uh, it's pretty cool, Jeff, that we're playing a game at Brunswick Street Oval, which was a VFL ground, um, Fitzroy's home ground for a long time, and Edinburgh have done an amazing job at building their club all the way through juniors, women division, girls and so on, and and they've got their turf pitch in. In fact, I think they got their turf pitch in on the basis of their women's achievement. The the women got to such a high level they couldn't play on matting anymore, so they've got the turf pitch in over the last few years and we'll be playing there Mm -hmm. against the Reds on December 3. We'll talk more about that, I suppose, next week, but it'll be, as usual, a nice event and we'll encourage everyone to come along. I suppose we'll probably start at 1 o'clock, being a 30-over game. Jeff feels about Mm -hmm. right to me. 60 overs in the afternoon we've got our gold final word caps that have been made up Dave Hornsby put in an order last week so for those who saw the blue caps in England we thought we'd change it up slightly and have a a gold version Mm -hmm. for the Australian 11 so this all ties in the fact that this was the Reds viewing party and Sonny was there and you know being a Sunday night it's a school night right you know everyone's got work the next day and the expectation was down the pub for the first innings and we'll all go our separate ways at the innings break and then the game started going very well for Australia, that is. And at 11pm, there was a lock-in ordered where nobody could leave. So suddenly, everyone who was there in this pub was told, you're not going anywhere. You are here till a bitter end. Australia have enjoyed success to this point. Superstition kicked in. They weren't allowed to right. leave the chairs they were sat in per Alan Border when Australia were chasing Adelaide Oval in 1993. They all texted or called back to their loved ones and said, it's going to be a late night. And they locked in there until the winning runs were struck. I think it was, was it three o'clock Melbourne time? Something along those lines. And some of the photos were brilliant. But, you know, that's quite relatable. I remember in 2003, I went to the Mountain View uh, to watch Australia and India in the World Cup final. But it was nowhere near as eventful as what was described from the Vicky in Brunswick there. But yeah, I reckon that's just a lovely thing. Isn't it quite relatable to want to go and watch and experience that with your mates and then um, stay all the way through to the end and not leaving their seats and all the other added colour and movement. And it to me, adds to why this was such a great Australian sporting moment. So many of them happen in the middle of the night. I reckon they're even better when they're in the middle mm. of the night, be it Olympic Games, gold medals, yep. or, you know, a stra- Soccer World Cup wins like we had last year. A couple of those were in the in the dead of night. That adds to, to, to the mystique. It
3: like mid, middle of the night you have to earn it you yeah, have to yeah. it's you have to work for it you've you've sacrificed something and there's a there's a, a feeling of what's a, a sort of solidarity of, of a group effort in that when you're, you've all come together for something specifically. It's not, it hasn't just happened because it happened to be on and you happen to be around. You've, you've deliberately gone down to Fed Square to watch the Socceroos or you've, exactly. you've gone to this bar to watch whatever it is and you've made an effort. You're, it's 10 past 4 in the morning and you're absolutely shagged <laughs> and you'd, you'd rather... Be asleep, but you don't want to be asleep because the best thing in the world is happening right in front of you, right at that particular moment. You know the, those those moments of togetherness, like watching yeah the 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 oh six uh Socceroos comeback against Japan. Totally. For instance, you know, watching watching that in a jammed pub at stupid o'clock yep. was so much better than it would have been if it had been at three o'clock in the afternoon.
2: It's an outside chance. We were both at the Royal Derby that night, Jeff. You know in uh, in in uh, in Fitzroy <laughs> the the, the Kaiser miracle, but yeah, all of these. Um, all these moments that um, people will have had, and and the, the togetherness that you're describing there, adds to why it was such a, a wonderful thing for Australian sport, and so many more people engaged with it than I reckon would have been the case in in 2015, where it was a home World Cup final at the MCG. But yeah, this meant an awful lot more. So well done to Dan and to Sunny. Another segue here. I talked about our um, game on the 3rd of December, which has been made possible. I should note on the way through, um, Jane Sieber, who is a great supporter of yours and mine, Jeff, through Patron, and has been on our on all of our. Um, trips and pub nights and came to England earlier this year. She runs Edinburgh these days so she got us the ground mm-hmm. and it all um, fits in perfectly.
3: Two two icons. We're playing two icons, Adam. We're playing the Brunswick Street Oval as a cricket team and we're playing the Corner Hotel as a live show. We are, we're <laughs> ticking off the Melbourne... We just need to do Hamer Hall for something <laughs> next <laughs> under the Arts Centre's fire and then, then we'll be absolutely set. So the Corner Hotel, the live show, tickets are selling really well. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, like like we've feel very upbeat about it we at do. this point so if you want one grab one because obviously going to a, a bigger venue than we've done before we we're a little bit nervous but that's actually working out. I've still got some leftover merch actually. You said there's only ever been uh, a couple of Final Word shirts but I've got some other <laughs> limited edition shirts from last year. There's probably about 10 of those left okay. so if you want one of those um, I've just, I have just realised you know rather than putting them, posting them online the trick is just forget about having them for a year and then you can sell them at the live show a year later uh, so way. those will be around and, and, we've, and we're working on guests and so on. We're working on material. Um, we've got some things that we can't announce yet, but we will announce later. Build the anticipation, all the rest of it. It's going to be really fun.
2: Yeah, just to add to that, we're going to have a League T's presence at the live show, Jeff, that I've not told you about yet. There will be oh, yeah. um, some Glenn Maxwell t-shirts available at the uh, live Hell show. yeah. And some other shirts, possibly, if we want to get our shit together between now and December 11, that option is available to us. I like how we're doing our okay. podcast admin, actually, on the show. But that's, um, that's a thing. Uh, and also, there will be a door prize supply by Fisher Classics, mentioned Dan before. He did this at our last live show at the Seafarers in Melbourne. He'll do it again this time because he's a great bloke and these, um, these Fisher Classics are, are just that. They're classics. I've got about seven of them uh, on my wall in London. And, yeah, live shows, Sydney on the 7th of Jan, The Corner on the 11th of December. Maybe if we sell out The Corner next year we can do Festival Hall. Um, mm. uh, it's a Hamer Hall. <laughs> <laughs> um, go to Festy Hall on a, on a Tuesday night. That, that, that could be something we could that's That's to.
3: definitely an escalation of ambitions, mm, I suppose. Mm, you mm, know, the, yeah. the final
2: word at Colonial Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> all the uh, ticket links, it's it's the link tree we have. It's really straightforward in the show notes, but also in all of our social media profiles, the link tree final word thing, you'll work it out. And, yes, uh, bring your mates, bring your uh, bring your cricket club. Uh, bring your uh, work party. These are the things you can do at the corner. It'll be bloody lovely. And in Sydney, if you go to the cricket during the Test match Australia-Pakistan, make this part of your week and we will try and make it as good a show as we can. Jeff, before we end this sprawling segment, one you can tell both of us are completely knackered, there's some more World Cup stuff, believe it or not. Adam Zampa.
3: I I want an explanation because all you said to me in the lead-up, you said was, did you see the Zampa thing? I said, (laughs) no. All all I saw was was Bharat Sundarayson post a tweet about saying, that Adam Zampa has kept receipts. I'm not up to date on this. I assume it's internet drama. I hope it's internet drama, but I've deliberately not found out what right. it is so that you can tell me now.
2: It's very on brand. It's very Adam Zampa because he's been saying it throughout the tournament and putting like Instagram posts up with like receipts and so on, saying I've kept all of them. Uh, and I think this was it in one. He he just quoted a bulk of Michael Clark text. From the the, the day of the Sri Lanka game, you might remember there was the the story that Michael Clark broke, as it were, saying that Pat wouldn't play that day. Remember that? Saying that Cummins was going to be dropped. Cummins was going to be dropped, yeah. (laughs) And the other bits in this passage went to um, Australia's um, ability to win in Indian conditions. And I suppose even though...
3: Too busy washing fucking penguins (laughs) to captain the Australian (laughs) cricket team. Focus on your job, mate. Overs 30 to 40. Fuck the penguins, mate. <laughs> penguins can look after themselves.
2: Yeah, all of that. And and this um this passage from Clark was kind of about whether Australia had a side that was capable of winning in Indian conditions. Mm. And and for Zampa, it's more about the batting critique, but it's also about Adam Zampa as the principal spinner, and the number one spinner in that team. Goes on to take 23 wickets. Justified
3: criticism at the time. Yeah, yeah, but
2: but Zampa goes on to take 23 wickets, the equal most for anyone in a 50-over Men's World Cup, and he just posted it with a few emojis after, and I think that is the... um, Any spinner.
3: Any Any spinner, that's
2: right. Yeah, so he Mm -hmm. pulls level. I think Marulli took 23 in a World Cup in in 2007, possibly. But the point was well made by Zampa that I will will rather, not so much the point, it was the end of the point that he kept receipts. And I sometimes Mm -hmm. don't enjoy when people say that. It it implies that if you're critical of a a side that turns it around that you weren't right in being critical to begin with. That's not how these things Mm -hmm. work. But Zampa's a funny dude and um, we always enjoy his... Left of centre commentary or outside the box commentary, and um, he's the kind of guy who can get away with this this type of thing.
3: I hope, I hope he has a post lined up for the seventeenth of December. That's all I'm saying. Yes, that, that would that would put the icing on the cake as far as that goes. Zampa Zampa's still in India, right? So we've got the. Right, I yep. mean, I I'd, I'd, I'd like to think like maybe we could even just boycott talking about these games on the show <laughs> next week. But they're, they're <laughs> going to play five T20 internationals against India starting. Thursday Friday, and yeah. they're being yeah. they're being played in some very low key venues. They're in Hyderabad and Visakhapatnam and you know the the kind of low key Indian venues that that have to get this as their little bump because they didn't get something during the World Cup. Hyderabad did have a, a game or two during the World Cup, but still, Zampa has stayed. A couple of players have stayed. Steve Smith has stayed. Maxwell has stayed, and then a couple of the, the yeah. players who didn't play much, Sean Abbott uh, and. That's about it, isn't it? There may be one
2: other who I can't remember. Look, I actually think this is fine. I think it's fine oh, they're it's playing fine a T20 they're series. Not, they're not there. Yeah, I think I think all of this is fine. I originally was quite cynical about this, but then I realised how hypocritical it was that I could say that in one breath and then be, crit- and then, um, be smashing England for how they treated those one-dayers in Australia after the T20 World Cup. This is effectively mm. that. This five-game series is about exactly. next year's T20 World Cup in the same way that England's one-dayers yeah. in Australia last year were about this one-day World Cup. They didn't take it seriously. Except,
3: except no one will play, except except none of them, yeah. particularly the Indian squad. They've got their second-tier squad. I mean, barely any of the players in this series will make the, the squad for next year. A couple might. It's a put-your-hand-up series. You know, if you're Rituraj Gayaquad or someone like that, you, you might be able to make your case to get elevated to the senior team. But in terms of preparation, I don't think it actually contributes anything much.
2: I, I think it's mostly for the World Cup guys I feel a little bit sorry for, because they'd love to get back with their families now and, and celebrate a great World Cup success. Instead, they'll mm. be in India for another two weeks weeks. The two that stand out to me, well, there were three that always stood out, right? Warner, Smith and Head. What on earth are they doing in India after winning, mm. after a World Cup, even if they didn't win it, even if they're bundled out, when they've got test cricket commitments in Australia in a few weeks' time? Yeah. And that does require, I know there's no Sheffield Shield game for them to play, although technically speaking, they could play one on the 28th of November. I'm not sure whether Warner, who's now pulled out of that trip, Warner said he's knackered, coming home, not going to play the T20s in India. And he's been replaced by uh, Jack Wildermuth, I think. I'm Pretty sure he's the replace- Hardy, Aaron Hardy. Oh, Aaron Hardy. My apologies, Aaron Hardy. Another bowling all. The Jack Wildermuth you have
3: when you're not having a Jack. Yeah, that's right.
2: The guy that overtook Jack Wildermuth is the you know the down the cube um, all rounder. For a couple of them got injured. Anyway, I digress. The the Warner story though got complicated by Crick Info putting up a tweet celebrating Warner's one day career and running through his great stats in World Cups. And Warner quote tweeted and said, "I'm retired. I'm not done." Words to that effect. He did, though. He said, He
3: said during, before did the you? Ashes, he said, I'll retire from 50 over cricket after the World ah, Cup, test cricket right. in, in Sydney, and T20 cricket I want to go through until the T20 World Cup next June. So he did say that that was going to be his last tournament.
2: Okay. That, that's like how I remembered it. I remembered him... Doubling down. I went to that press conference at the Oval when he was being cheeky about whether he might... This this you know.
3: was the one at the training ground before... It was before the WTC I final. I see, yeah,
2: um, yeah. He,
3: he, did a, he did a little stand-up with the Australian journalists. Right. At yep. Beckenham, is it? Yep. Middle of, you know, yep. fair, fairway south of London. And he said, yeah, he was very explicit. He said, my goal is get to the 50-over World Cup, get to the Sydney Test and get to the T20 World Cup. Okay. And then make way across formats. So, you know, so now he's backtracking because he's had a good World Cup, I don't know. Yeah, I
2: mean, you know, he's entitled to change his mind. If the facts have changed on, yeah, let's just step back from this for a second. He's right? so close.
3: To... I'll just say one thing. Yep. He's so close to seven thousand ODI runs. I know the you know, milestones are bullshit, but like at least he could tick over that. He could he could knock off one or two of the other. There's only, a, you know, I, I talked about this on the show a little while ago. The players ahead of him, the War Brothers, Gilchrist, Ponting, and Clark. I think that's it. So you know, he's already in the okay. company of the greats and, and could go could go further up that list. Not that that's the reason to do it, but it'd be be cool to see.
2: Let's play this game. If David Warner wanted to keep playing one-day cricket, what's on the horizon? Not a lot of bilateral cricket. We know that. There's the Champions Trophy in two years' time in Pakistan. Well, it probably won't be all the Pakistan. Asterisk. It'll be somewhere. I I put up something during the week. Pakistan's
3: games might be in Pakistan.
2: Yeah, that's it. put something up during the week. The Champions Trophy really should be a 32-team single elimination March Madness-style tournament. I realise what it should be. That's exactly what it should be. It'd be fucking awesome. Anyway, but what if Warner's thinking... I could play the 41 on this format, you know. 37 now. What if he's thinking, <laughs> I'm not going to have any test commitments. He won't play domestic cricket. He'll play Big Bash, but he won't have any like wider... Um, he won't be playing the Sheffield Shield or anything. He might think, well, if I'm a T20 circuiteer and he's always had the game uh, that could transition from test to T20 and one day cricket's been a format which he's had an outstanding record, as you've already described. What if he thinks, well, I don't know. Is South Africa... Not quite four years from now. It'll be three and a half years. They'll play that tournament early in 2027, I would have thought. I think I'm right in saying that. You know, three and a half years on the carousel to get round to that. It's not completely outside so the So he'd only be possible. 40.
3: Yeah, it could Wouldn't 40. not
2: even be 41. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, dead of dream. Um, Steve Smith is still in India, though, which I think is just ridiculous. Um, yep. Steve Smith, I don't know. I guess this is him trying to signal to anyone who'll listen... I am not a spent force as a white ball cricketer. I want to play in the T20 World Cup next year. I hope the selectors have the presence to manage that a bit with Smith and not just in 20 over cricket either, Jeff. Like there will come a time when Smith is no longer an automatic selection in Australian teams across the board. And that's going to take some careful management. And I don't know whether maybe there might have been an opportunity here to say to him, you're not going to be part of the T20 World Cup you know, get home and play a shield game where you could have a, a, a much longer career still as a test player, whether that's a bit of a misstep, because you will come in cold. Mm. No red ball cricket. Uh, and if Pakistan, you know, uh, have their full phalanx of fast bowlers available, that, that won't be easy for Australia, really. Like, yep. Although we always say that in Pakistan have only won four test matches ever in Australia. But, you know, they start in Perth where the surface has been pretty lively since they moved over mm. to the casino stadium and, and all of that. So, And, yeah, Travis Head's the other one who's still there who... Let him
3: go home, right? We didn't have a breather. Travis Head, I guess can we he, he prove himself, I guess? Half. So, so there is that. He didn't have the full World Cup campaign, yeah. so maybe he's fresher than the others. Smith is going to open in these games because he wants to prove himself as an opener. But then kind of, what's the point? If you've got, if, you know, Warner's going to go, Head's going to go, like, why wouldn't they open? And there are other options to open as well, like Mitchell Marsh, Cameron Green. Yeah. There's such a cue to open the batting, like just because he made a couple of hundreds for the Sydney Sixers opening the batting last summer doesn't mean mm. that that's going to work. Mm. In T20 cricket I don't know, there's, there's this sort of a bit of an obsession within Australian cricket of, of, that Smith has to play because he's Smith rather than looking at the fact that he's he's not the force that he was.
2: Uh, Jeff, before we close off this last of our World Cup chat, acknowledging there'll be another one in the feed tomorrow from before this recording I think the final word on the final word on the World Cup really should go to Glenn Maxwell who brought so much enjoyment to us and you spoke to him on the ground. Uh, we had the Mitch Stark audio before. Well, let's hear from Glenn Maxwell. Glenn Maxwell, winning runs at a World Cup final, strike rate of 200.
3: We knew you could do it. Well, it was in typical fashion,
5: a, a chunky bottom edge slog that sort of just scunges its way to deep backwards square and scampered through us because I was tight and sore and tight over here, but what an amazing day. I, I, we've saved, saved our best to last. It's, a, it's easily the best we've played all tournament and everything just came together at the right time and feels like it's just meant to be.
3: Fair to say, that coming here, most people thought you were up against a huge ask. Like, did you appreciate the magnitude of that? Did you realize? Were you thinking how difficult it was going to be, or were you thinking about how you were going to get it done?
2: Oh, I
5: think we actually did really well to, I suppose, just concentrate on what we needed to do. And the the main things that we talked about before the game was silencing the crowd, and and that was by doing what we do really well, which was sticking to the basics, adjusting to whatever conditions we were. We had no idea what that pitch was going to do, and. I'm um, Just trying to, I suppose, um, adjust on the go. And I thought Pat did a brilliant job, even I think it was his first, first or second spell, to almost change tactics straight away, go to short ball, slower ball bounces in the early part of the match and really change the momentum of the game. And um, we chopped and changed our bowlers a heap and um, kept them guessing. And, um, yeah, I, I, I felt like we built pressure throughout the middle by doing really random stuff, uh, but we, we all bought into it, um, we knew that was going to be the game plan and and then watching Hedy and Manus do the job is, um, yeah, it was pretty sensational.
3: Travis Head, certified freak, you must have just felt this growing sense of relief as the runs remaining dripped away and there was less and less for you to do.
5: Yeah, I can't say I felt that calm at the start of his innings. Um, I did get told it was a taste of my own medicine, that how, that's how people feel after watching me bat, and who's next in, so um, yeah, it was pretty incredible. His ball striking um, was, was simply sensational. And I, I think Marnus there, to soak up the pressure, that we talked about silence in the crowd, that it was dead silent for the last 30 overs of that chase. And it's all down to those two and their calmness that they showed out there.
3: Talking about random stuff. You bowling in the power play, it's been a feature throughout this, uh, this campaign. But you must have felt a little bit nervous there when Rowett goes four, six, but then you come back in that over and get him out.
5: Yeah, I was hoping that anything less than 20 was going to be a bonus. Um, but yeah, to, to get him out, uh, same thing. Hetty did a great job getting back and taking that catch. He doesn't take that catch. Who knows what we're chasing? it's um, in unbelievable form. Um, he was he was pumping it everywhere, and um, for him to take that catch under pressure, crowd, everything that we talked about, and um, it just felt like we held our nerve in big moments the whole way through that game. And um, Yeah, just so so excited. And you've
3: got a World Cup winners medal around your neck. Got one in 2015. There's number two. Does it feel better? Does it feel different? How is it to double up?
5: Uh, It feels feels so much more hard earned. I reckon. Obviously, we're expected to probably win in 2015 in front of our home fans in Melbourne. To do it here against um, probably the best side in the world at the moment. Uh, They were undefeated through the tournament in their own conditions on a pitch we had no idea what was going to do in front of 100,000 of their adoring fans and to put that all aside and, and get the job done, play our best game in the final, I think that just makes it
3: all the more special. It's been a lot of fun watching you guys over the last few weeks. Enjoy the night. Cheers. Thanks, Jeff. That's Glenn Maxwell, a really lovely moment, that just wandering around down there and running into him just after he'd had his medal put on. He's carrying the trophy, <laughs> the biggest smile you've ever seen in your life. He sort of ran up and, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There are... My my heart has really been as warmed watching cricket or, or working in this ridiculous business as, as being able to have a little share in, in that moment and just seeing up close what it meant to him to be there, to to be part of that team and to be to be carrying the Brad Haddon Memorial Cup off the field um, to try to work out how to drink beers out of it. So that's us for segment one, except that I should remind you about VPNs. Yes, I've just got home, so I I will now need my VPN if I need to pretend to be in India, whereas in India I needed it to pretend to be in Australia. Sometimes I need to pretend to be in the UK because I'm trying to watch little clips on Twitter of something from uh, some uh, TV broadcaster that doesn't want me to see it. There are all kinds of reasons why you might want a VPN because it tells the internet that you are somewhere that you're actually not. So you can go to a different country virtually in order to book flights in a local currency or book hotels in that currency. You can protect all of your private information, your data when you're on public Wi-Fi, for instance, you're doing your banking, it's an extra security measure. There are all of these reasons why having a VPN is good. It's very simple, it's a little app, you get it on your phone or on your computer, you turn it on, you choose your desired location and you pay a very modest monthly or yearly or two yearly fee and you get a big discount on the two year one with Nord VPN.
2: Yeah, I've been reminded over the last 36 hours making my way back to Australia that things can be complicated when moving from country to country and different phone carriers and all the rest of it. But NordVPN makes much of this much easier when it comes to where you need to be. And as you say, Jeff, we've had the huge discount going. NordVPN.com forward slash TFW. Four months free on a two-year plan and no risks either with a 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the show notes. We've been talking about NordVPN over the last four or five weeks. This will be the last time we do it for now, but it's been great having them with us on the show. NordVPN.com forward slash TFW. If you've been sitting on the fence... Do it now. Get yourself the fastest VPN in the world. More from us in a sec.
0: Ask your doctor about Air Supra, Albuterol Budesonide. Eligible patients can pay as little as $0 per inhaler, subject to eligibility rules and maximum savings limits. Restrictions may apply. Visit AirSupraSavings.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
3: Hi, I'm Isha Gua, and you're listening to The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Levin. This is The Final Word, homecoming edition. Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins on Australian soil, uh, hands on our hearts singing the anthem. No, we're not. It's a shit song. Get a better song. I love that they played ACDC during the yeah. trophy presentation at the World Cup, by the way. Like, a much better choice. Any of those songs, much better choice for a national anthem, honestly. I know that Walsing Matilda got floated a bunch of times over the years. The old... Uh, Song about the criminal suicidal sheep thief, as it's been described, maybe not necessarily hitting all the notes that you want for a, for a national anthem. I don't know. Does, does it fully reflect the country that we want to be? But there are other songs that could could better do
2: that. I reckon that I used to like it when Waltz and Matilda was sung at public events. I reckon there's a mm-hmm. nice um, nice uh, you know sing along factor to that. Uh, and I'm yep. I'm not as down on the national anthem as you are when you look at the the options that it beat only been there since 1978 like it's still a relatively new song but yeah if replacing it I am Australian would be brilliant the challenge there of course being that there's too many references to Indigenous Australians there's no way in the world there's no way in the world that would get up if you're Mm. trying to put that to um, uh, anyway that's that's a whole other thing but I reckon it would have gone up 25 years ago a bit like the um, voice referendum 25 years ago it might have been more successful than it would be now changing the national anthem to So I am Australian, but anyway, I didn't expect to be talking about this today, but we're both tired and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to trail off from time to time.
3: We're going to ramble. We're both tired, which also means we're not doing a nerd pledge today because I did not have time to do one in between getting off a plane and trying to sleep and then waking up to record this show. So I sort of did half of one, but I'm not satisfied fully (laughs) with the story. I've got some spreadsheeting I need to do on that before I, I launch it into the show. But anyway, story time will be coming up. We'll be looking to catch up on some of those pledges. If you've been waiting and if you've been waiting for a revisit or anything like that or a reply to your message in the inbox, then bear with us. That that's on the task list over the next couple of weeks to catch up on all that stuff. Right, what do we have? Segment two. What do you got for me?
2: Yeah, well, this is kind of their pledge, Jason, or story time, Jason. I wanted to start this segment before we get into sort of more weighty stuff from the ICC by telling you, Jeff, that Andrew Sampson's been in touch. Okay, so let's go back a couple of months. Remember, I told you the story of Indigo Dasarum? He's the Sri Lankan player who played uh, international cricket between 1999 and 2009, played all three formats as an all-rounder, but hadn't played first-class cricket for a decade and then popped up in August just before his 50th birthday. And as you know, know, uh, we have had an interest in old players in first-class cricket and those playing in their 50s on story time. And Samo wrote me a note on the weekend. Hi, Adam. Hope all is well. After various delays to the tournament, and matches rained off. The 50-year-old Indigat Dasaram is finally playing another first class match. So yes, he has taken the field at age fifty over the weekend. That was for who he he was actually leading. They gave him the captain's armband for Panadura
3: oh, yes. against
2: the Sri Lankan army in what's known as the Sri Lankan Major League. <laughs> I have no idea where that fits into the Um, first-class pyramid, but that's how Mm -hmm. um, he's playing again by virtue of this club, Panadura. and look, he...
3: And taking on the army on his own. That's brave. Yeah,
2: yeah, the Sri Lankan Army Sports Club uh, is the full title of the side they were playing against. And it didn't go especially well. So his comeback game, he made 61, and we got quite excited about that. Um, But he got a second bowler here. He was knocked over, and they were knocked over for 213, that whole final word number. 213. Then they bowled out the army for 72, and he didn't get a trundle. And then Panadura were none for 17 I when they shook hands. I joined the
3: army. Dad said, <laughs> son, you're fucking hot.
2: <laughs> so they, they shook hands at none for 17. So it must have been another rainy game. So after all those rain interruptions, his return doesn't make a run, doesn't take a wicket, doesn't take a catch, doesn't affect a run out. So he, he might have been on the team sheet and captained at age 50 and tossed the coin, but. Technically speaking, he hasn't made a contribution in his 50s. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Not to say we're going to be covering domestic Sri Lankan first-class cricket too much on the show, but the story of Indiga Dasaram is one that I'm I'm keen Mm -hmm. to keep on, and we might even get him on Storytime or something like that to learn how and why he's decided to make this comeback as a 49-year-old and what it means to him to right. be a, you know, a, a professional, well, at least for cl- first class. I'm not sure how professional it turns out to be for him um, and whether he's earning money from it. But at least uh, back again racking up first class fixtures with a five in front of his age.
3: Yet yet to get a stat in his 50s. That's, that's, that's yeah. the key thing there. No, you know, how many hardball gets has he had? <laughs> how many Carlton drafts has he had? <laughs> man Indicator <de> serum. <laughs> Doing a great job down back. It's fitting, um, it's fitting okay. that you're, um, it's
2: fitting that you're uh, raising... Stats and footy stats uh, in the week that Ted Hopkins passed away, by the way. I'm not sure this is probably not that relevant to many people, but um, you know the hero of the 1970 grand final, brought on at halftime, Barassi ordering the handball, didn't have a substantial football career outside of 1970, but played his role as the champion and hero of, I don't know, top three grand finals ever, 1970, hard to go past that with the, with the comeback against Collingwood. And, and he's the guy who started champion data all the information that we take in from footy these days ted hopkins later in life um, right. as an older guy said hang on there's a market gap here and i remember he was on the on the grand final footy marathon and told everyone all about how he did it and how he came up with this idea about 25 years ago and now it's a, a big part of why you know the true man is giving you the stats and giving you the calton drafts yeah. and uh, and anyway i don't know if that was <laughs> worth mentioning but i've mentioned it now Brassi passed away the coach of that grand final a couple of months ago and, and now the the champion of it teddy hopkins
3: I think it was worth mentioning, and I've always been interested in because in, there's a degree of subjectivity in how you interpret the stats as well, right? Like what mm. was a you know what's a clanger and what's a yes. like what's a what's a contested possession and what's an uncontested possession, all that kind of stuff, which has to be done. Suppose I assume very quickly and on the fly, um, people who can do that kind of stuff during matches. Um, they 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 impress me very much. Anyway, the ICC meeting. There's a lot to come out of this. Yeah, um, I mean just. Truly incongruous that they've made such a point of issuing this blanket ban across international cricket for trans women cricketers, ostensibly following a nine-month consultative process, although I'd be interested to find out who they've consulted. It, it was very generic. Oh, we have talked to, to many stakeholders. Okay. Well, who are the stakeholders? Um, so, yeah, this is this is something I'd like to follow up with the ICC and try to actually get some information about this beyond the statement they put out. Any male to female participants who have been through any form of male puberty will not be eligible to participate in the international women's game, regardless of any surgery or gender reassignment treatment treatment they may have undertaken. Which is an incredibly broad and lacking in nuance approach to it. It's unsurprising from the ICC, given that it's been voted on by the members and given that, you know, that body's almost entirely old men uh, from every country across the board, like, what are they actually going to know about this? But that's, that's the path they've chosen to go down for the time being. I think it's eligible for review in a couple of years, but the note from... Jeff Allardyce, the chief executive, saying that it was uh, a consultation process founded in science and aligned with core principles, blah, blah, blah. Um, Inclusivity is important, but our priority was to protect the integrity of the international women's game and the safety of players. And that's the bit that really jars at the end. The safety of players at the same time as the Afghanistan women's team are in exile in Melbourne because they are afraid for their lives and had to flee their home country. And the ICC have once again said absolutely fucking nothing about that.
2: Yeah, that's a point that's been well made online. It's, you know, there's there's not a single word about Afghanistan in this ICC release. That's the second meeting in a row where we've seen nothing formally. Last time around, uh, there were further notes that came out Um, around Afghanistan. So it might have been they talked about it and they just didn't put it in their media release. That's within the realms of possibility that they don't want to draw attention to what's going on there. But yes, I, I think it's reasonable that there's been scrutiny on there being such a strong position taken on the trans issue and the safety part of that when not acknowledging the Afghanistan piece of this whatsoever. There's one trans player in global cricket right now, one trans woman, uh, Danielle McGahee, who uh, plays uh, for Canada from Australia originally, underwent, this is per a Crick, Info, a Crick Info article, male to female medical transition in 2021. In September 2023, she appeared for Canada in the Women's T20 America's Qualifier, the pathway tournament to the 2024 T20 World Cup. So far, she's played six T20Is, scoring 118 runs at, a, at an average of 19. Not that that matters at all. but um, So there's one player who this will affect in, in the immediate term, who, no, yep. who can no, no longer play international cricket. So, um, yes, there, there are going to be immediate ramifications.
3: And that underlines what is bizarre about this, that there is only one player who this applies to across the board at any international level at the moment. So it is just incongruous that it's front and centre of what was released from that meeting and and what they were discussing at the meeting and that they felt the need to make a ruling on it. So we'll we'll aim to look at that more when we haven't just arrived back and seen... A press release when we've had time to look at it more thoroughly but the lack of urgency with with afghanistan that's i mean that's remarkable again i think they'll just point to afghanistan and the world cup having a good world cup and say oh look see look things are progressing well mm. everything's good here no problems there and then this weird situation with sri lanka where they've been suspended they've lost the hosting rights for the under 19s world cup but they're still going to play so the the Principal Sri Lankan men's team will still be able to play international cricket and be in ICC events despite being suspended. There is precedent for this where boards have been suspended but the teams are allowed to continue to operate, which again underlines something that could happen in the Afghanistan case. People are saying, oh, well, it, it would be rough on the Afghanistan men's team to ban them from competing. They don't actually have to be banned from competing if the board is suspended from being a full member. It would just mean I think that there'd be more um, ICC control of the finances going to fund the team and that kind of thing. Um, so, there, there, there are ways to work around it which they're still unwilling to use.
2: That jumped out at me as well that, you know, uh, in, in avoiding the Afghanistan question publicly, uh, there is a, a passage here about yeah, Sri Lanka and, and the sanction for them is not hosting this under 19s World Cup, but the team can continue playing. So, uh, it does show there's flexibility if they want to have flexibility, um, but if they wish to continue to ignore this, they can, they can do that too. So, um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see whether. Anything more comes out of this. Often it can be, you know, days two, three, four, where um, journalists who are on the newsbeat can make phone calls to those who are inside the four walls of the meeting and can learn more information. So we'll keep an active eye on that and report back next week. Uh, there was other cricket bits and bobs. One, a shot clock trial. This is very Jeff Allardyce. Uh, Jeff, shot uh, CB. <laughs> this is yeah. uh, um, in summary uh, between December 2023, so next month and April 2024 in men's, 50 over and T20I cricket. Uh, there will be a trial. This is not unusual, by the way, to use one-day cricket and T20 cricket to to uh, to trial advances that they're trying to Super in the future. Sub. Super sub being one of those. Um, another being front-foot no-ball technology. Another being uh, there was something else a couple of years ago where they. Anyway, the point is, is that it's a good idea to use international cricket to to see whether it works in a stress test, if you like, and how it will work according to the media release, is that if a team's not ready to bowl the next over within 60 seconds of the previous over being completed, there'll be a five-run penalty the third time it happens in an inning. So if you overrun the shot clock thrice, you will lose five runs or there'll be five penalty runs. Like I say, it's got Jeff Allardyce's fingerprints all over this and good on him (laughs) for having a crack. I don't think this will work as well as an in-over thing. Jared Kimber's big on this, the, the inevitability of us getting to a point where you will have X seconds to bowl your ball And that'll be the way they speed things up for broadcasters, but we we aren't quite there yet. And, you know, the other side of this, of course, Jeff, is that batting teams could manipulate it, and that'll have to be the the, the view that's taken from the umpires working in collaboration with the match referee, which they currently do now in their walkie-talkies, and when they're working out how many minutes to take away, or rather how many minutes to add to their their rap sheet when working out fines and, and, you know, World Test Championship points in that competition. But Mm. um, this, like all overrate problems, it's not always about the fielding team.
3: Luckily, there's never been any controversy with umpires and timing and the amount of time that the umpires say has elapsed versus the amount of time that somebody else <laughs> says has elapsed. That hasn't been an issue. So um, look, this, this is interesting, right? That's, the, the language is clear enough that the batting team, I think, can't manipulate it as long as the bowler's ready to bowl. If, if the batting right. team holds up things after that, then they'll be OK as long as the bowler's at the top of the mark ready to go. But, but, yeah, what's the penalty for the batting side for Waste? time, you know, where 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 do they get hit for dicking around, you know, changing gloves every over wandering off to talk to their partners all the rest of it, so I, I like it in a way because it, it, it sort of gets rid of the five minute conference before the start of an over when you should know what you're doing but equally if you're a team who's good with your overs and you're ahead of your over rate, why shouldn't you be allowed to have a longer chat ahead of a crucial over if you want to, you know, if you're New Zealand who are routinely ahead of your overrate and you want to spend an extra 30 seconds setting up the field for a particular attack. Haven't you earned that right by being ahead of your overrate for the rest of the time? Yeah. And then, like you say, it can just happen in the over. As long as they bowl the first ball, then they can spend two and a half minutes between the first and the second ball messing around then and that'll be fine because the over will have
2: started. I think the spirit of this is good. I like the direction of yeah. travel, if you like. I, I like yep. that they are trying to take it on with in-play penalties. I don't think this will work. I reckon we will eventually... lose.
3: And Why do you get three warnings? Why why should it only be the third time as well? Well, I
2: think this is the trial piece, right? They're they're trying to make it really easy to not stuff up and and they'll review it accordingly. Mm. But, yeah, it needs to be in-play penalties. It needs to be runs. For all the reasons we've argued on this show before, the show we did with Andrew Sampson a couple of years ago that went through the historical piece of this. But we'll keep an eye on it. It will be interesting. There's one other thing in the release about the points that you pick up or the demerit points you pick up as a test venue for um, pitchers not being up to scratch. Am I being too cynical, Jeff? So it's gone from five points to six as far as how many you need to mm-hmm. accrue before you run the risk of losing a test in a five-year period. Am I being too cynical that this might be to do with the fact that a lot of Indian pitchers end up under the microscope and this gives them a bit more leeway? Uh, and I know that not all the pitchers end up getting docked points, but you know, if mm-hmm. you overcook it, uh, and end up getting um, downgraded by the match referee and the officials. This builds in a bit more leniency.
3: Yes. So that yeah, that assumes that the, the points penalties will be applied in the first place. And obviously, <laughs> points penalties have been applied to a, a range of pitches, including the Gabba one for that South Africa yep, test, yep. which which got a whack, and the MCG for the Ashes test in in twenty seventeen. Not 18, indoor. So. But not, but not but not, but not indoor. <laughs>
2: Didn't
3: indoor get one point? Didn't it oh, get they, they, whatever whatever one. it was, they,
2: they had it downgraded yeah. retrospectively despite the test finishing. Yeah. Seven sessions and balls punching through the surface in the first half an hour and that Pajara dismissal on morning one, which I'll never forget. You know, it, we, we all know what was going on there.
3: Seven sessions away, I'll be waiting. (laughs) That's the match referee singing that. Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a two-pointer that got taken down to a one-pointer, which would mean that with six points in a five-year period, they'd have to play six tests at indoor in five years, each accruing a point, a one-point penalty for it to be suspended. So I guess that means that even if there's an annual uh, fixture at a ground and even if that ground has a shit heap, Um, for each of those five years in a row, it's still... We'll never get more than one-point penalty, and it will still avoid suspension. So maybe that's just insurance there.
2: Speaking of test matches in India, I wonder what sort of surface the Australian women will get when they're there. And um, we've seen the Australian. I squad hope it's a
3: bunsen. Announced. I hope it rages. <laughs> I, like that, that would be no. It would be so much fun, honestly. Like why not? Why not fully commit? Because England play yeah. a test there, and then Australia play one straight after. Like let's see how they do on it on one that goes square.
2: I mean, yeah, uh, as long as it's not designed to end in a couple of days. Like I've never had a problem with. Pitch is turning. Love I just
3: don't. I'd like to see it end in a couple of days.
2: Yeah, but when you set it up, when the balance between bat and ball is so skewed in favour of ball over bat, um, and it becomes a game of chance, that's where I feel they they they've let themselves down a little bit in the last few years. Anyway the Australian squad to go to India um, the the biggest name on there really is Lauren Cheadle Uh, what a great story you know she was a a star of the 2015-16 Women's Big Bash League the first season we come back to that as a reference so often but she came from nowhere playing for the Thunder to be part of that World Cup team as a 17-year-old in 2016, the T20 World Cup in India—that's seven years ago, you know—and she's played. She's, she's spent a lot of time on the sidelines. Four shoulder reconstructions in five years, but yeah, um, she'll get her chance, um, be it in the uh, in the short form or the Test match. Mm-hmm. The other thing here, Jeff,
3: she and she's looked. She's been red hot through absolutely. the WBBL yeah. as well. Some of the like I've been watching back some of the clips that he been coming out and she's swinging the ball she's got pace back she's up to 21 wickets for the tournament uh, she's absolutely firing at the moment and to have a left armor you know I mean there are fewer left-handed women than men just in general across the board so getting left-arm bowlers in women's cricket is even more difficult than it is in men's cricket and so you know having a, a top quality high class left armor who can swing it I mean the asset that that provides is mm. immense.
2: Yeah, so just going through it. Sorry, I, I, I explained that incorrectly a moment ago. So Lauren Cheadle's only in the Test Squad uh, and uh, and uh, it will be... Grace Harris is only in the T20 Squad. So they've, they've done right. a bit of mix and match there. But other than that, all the players, all the usual suspects are there. What's missing is a C next to the name of Elisa Healy. I took it as foretold that she would be named as captain for this tour, but um, they've said in the media release they'll make that announcement closer to the time. Healy's been... Uh, has done an interview um, since Meg Lanning retired a couple of weeks ago saying she wants to be captain but yeah I wonder whether they're actually considering generational change at a pitch I went through it like I, I so, like that so like Healy, I, think, I, mean,
3: I actually think that's a good idea because she Healy's filled in she's done a good job filling in but she's she's done a lot of filling in it's not like she hasn't had a decent run being captain yep. of that side as well she's been around forever she's got the seniority fine but wouldn't it couldn't it be an asset to move On to a next generation, and Ash Gardner particularly, um, given that she's risen so much, she's a a guaranteed pick in all formats, and she's already a leader on the field. Like, why not actually take the opportunity to move on, to move beyond that generation that was running the game for so long?
2: It's a fair argument. Like Healy turns thirty-four in March. I think she's earned it. I think she's earned it, Healy. You know, even if it were for a year or two, but that isn't always enough. Sometimes it's about wanting to make a a move, right? So Gardner's 26 at the moment. Beth Mooney's 29, could split the difference. Uh, And Beth Mooney's been a successful captain in domestic cricket for a long time, and she's fucking hard-nosed as well, Beth Mooney. So they could see it that way. You know, you go through the, the team sheet, a number of them have done it at domestic level, but... Um you know Talia McGrath is another example of someone who's captained her state side. um Elise Perry has done the job at different points, um, both in well in domestic cricket. and I think she's deputized for landing at different points as well, Perry. so but I don't see them giving the captaincy to Perry this deep into her career. She's been playing for so long it'd be you know she's on the to, on, she she's on. Need it. Yeah, she's, she's playing her last couple of holes at the moment, Perry, when it comes to international cricket. She wouldn't want to necessarily take on that new challenge, I don't think. So, yeah, Healy, probably, probably Healy. But, yeah, interesting if they chose to go to Mooney. And if it were Gardner, not for nothing, it would be an Indigenous woman as captain of Australia. That's never happened before. So um, we'll keep an eye on that in the next couple of weeks. But running through the list, Darcy Brown, Lauren Cheadle, Heather Graham, Uh, Ash Gardner, Kim Garth, Grace Harris, Alisa Healy, Jess Johnson, Alana King, Phoebe Litchfield, uh, Young Left Hand Gunn, Talia McGrath, Beth Mooney, Elise Perry, Megan Shoot, Annabelle Sutherland, and Georgia Wareham in that squad. And uh, the test match, as I scroll down my page, is on the 21st to the 24th of December. Then they've got three one dayers and three T20s across the New Year period into early January.
3: Yeah, we could have Christmas Eve cricket if the test match goes the distance, if it's not a raging Ashton Turner and, you know, it's not all over in two and a half days. If it goes to day four, we'll have Christmas Eve test match cricket, which, uh, well, I'm sure you'd be able to come up with this, but it would have been quite a while since we saw that in Australia.
2: Yeah, 1994 um, was the last time it happened in Australia. um, I knew you'd know that. The rest day on Christmas Day and played again on Boxing Day one often comes up. Uh, Another game that, uh, another, well, series that finished on Sunday um, was the Tri-Series in South Africa for the intellectually disabled men's teams. England and Australia were both in South Africa and they made the final at the Wanderers. And I just wanted to note this on the way through because there's a really strong Lords Taverners link here through the Super Ones. England kept Australia to 140 for five in their 20 overs and chased it down in the 17th over. Chris Edwards for England, top scored with 54, not out, but... Alfie Piles in that team, who's a genuine Tavs product. I mentioned him on the show a couple of weeks ago, Jeff. A lot of his development happened in Super Ones. I interviewed Alfie and his wonderful mum, Marion, uh, before they left for South Africa a couple of weeks ago. Just beautiful people. And that's what it's all about, right? Um, the Edinburgh Half Marathon, a Marathon and 10K that we've been talking so much about in, in recent weeks. Um, it's about cricket being used as a force for good and the brilliant work that Taverners do and uh, telling their part of that story. We've had a heap of people sign up since we last spoke. Jeff, Michelle Garland, RJ Sugavanam, we've got Dan Price, his big mate Max who played for the final word 11 up in Edinburgh last year. Jim Robertson was just in touch as well so we're building towards that goal of 50 runners. We've got a table as well at the Lords Taverners Christmas Lunch on the 4th of December for any of our final word runners. I've put this in the WhatsApp group but if you're hearing this and not involved over there, do get in touch. Matthew Jones is our table captain. His partner Hayley Fuller is our fundraiser lead for the tabs we're trying to raise 30 grand by next may for them as part of our running efforts there'll be a lunch or a dinner with gower in january i haven't told gower this yet but there'll be a when i get back to town i'm going to arrange a lunch with him where we can charge people a lot of money to come and sit around the table with him and all that money of course will go to our fundraising work uh, between now and may so sign up is the story caroline swan uh sent me a message before on the group saying she ran her first 5k as part of her build up to the 10K and others have commented that they expect she will beat you to 10K, that she will, she will, she, she will be, um, she will be passing the finishing line before you are. But that's all in our show notes as always, um, the Lord's Tavern final word page, but yeah, get involved. It's going to be such a great weekend. So many different fundraising opportunities and, and I love that through line back to that success that England side have enjoyed uh, in that tri-series in South Africa over the weekend.
3: The table captain just reminds me of that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode with the tipping. You know, you, you put a li- you put a line right through mate, right through. You put you put a line right through it. Um, anyway, but real heads will know. Okay, let's take one more break and then let's have a quick look at the Australian domestic cricket.
0: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MBO. Terms and conditions apply.
3: G'day, guys. This is Jimmy Neesham. You're listening to The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon.
2: Final Word, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. As it was last week, we're going to finish the show with the WBBL, the Sheffield Shield. Jeff, you go first, I'll go second.
3: Mr. Sheffield, the is getting down to the business and they'll be playing a match pretty much as we're recording and then the last group game is this Sunday there's there are games every day between now and then most of the teams have two games to go at the time of recording a couple only have one it's pretty much set the top four the order isn't set but it's it's probably set who's in Adelaide you'll be pleased to know uh, running hot They've just gone top of the league. They beat both the Sydney teams and slipped ahead of Perth, who lost to Green Sydney, um, mm. the Sherbet Greens. Chamari Adapatu, starring for them, took a couple of wickets in that game before making 77 off 53 balls um, and smashed up the Scorchers who Go were on. top of the table before that. She's, she's second run scorer in the season yes. um, at the moment, Chamari, with 451 runs, which, as we talked about last week, given she wasn't even picked yeah. up in the draft initially, which which seemed criminal. Um, she's, she's made them pay. She's shown her value. The other bit in that game, Sam Bates bowled through her full four overs, one for six. One for six off off four for they're the, under they're under twelve, 12 figures
2: in under twelves when you're only permitted yeah. to bowl four overs you know one for six off twelve uh, one for six off four rather feels like the sort of figures yep. that you, you know you register when you're playing in the under twelves on a Saturday morning. It, um, and
3: it was the most most economical full spell in Big Bash history, I believe. The six runs off the four overs as spin took over. Perth did beat Pink Sydney though. The the sixes in the game where you might have seen the Aaron Burns catch going around <laughs> on socials. Yet another. I mean, she makes it look so much better than anyone else. It's always both heels off the ground, both hands in front of her body, the full flying dive. I mean, she times her dives better than anybody. I posted up the highlight reel that Hypercost put out, which is extraordinary and, and ends with that incredible bit of fielding on the boundary in the semi-final when the Sixers beat the Renegades off the last ball. Probably the most ridiculously good bit of just sequential relay fielding that maybe I've ever seen. Burns taps back to Ailey, the throw into Healy, the yes. spin with one glove off, throwing down the stumps at the non-strikers end to tie the game. Go to a super over and win it. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. She just does it so like Aaron- she does
2: it so regularly. Aaron Burns is the other thing. Like yeah. she's a ripper of a person too. We ended up having breakfast with breakfast with her pretty much every morning at Fairbreak this year because they have their young baby, which I think he, uh, is about halfway between Peggy and Winnie. Anyway. You know, all the Mm -hmm. parents ended up congregating together. She's a ripper. But um, how many of those highlights has she got across the years in the Big Bash? She's the greatest fielder in that tournament's history. I think it's fair to conclude.
3: Yeah, I think that would be safe to say. Um, They didn't win that game, though. The Sixers, Perth, did. Mooney made another unbeaten 90-odd. She's leading run score with 535. Sophie Devine, third, with 446. So Perth is sitting second. Green Sydney, third. Brisbane fourth and pretty much locked in. So the Sixers, the pink Sydney team, could tie Brisbane on points, but I don't think they can turn around the net run rate mathematically in one game that they've got left. Hobart could skip in because they've got two games in hand. So if uh, if they beat the Renegades, doable, because the Renegades have been dross, although they they did win a game the other day, miraculously. If they beat the Renegades and then Adelaide, which would be tough because Adelaide are top... And if Brisbane lose in fourth spot, if they lose their last game, then... The Hobart Hurricanes could be boarding the cane train on their way to Town, But that's probably not going to happen, but it could happen. Lizelle Lee's been smashing some runs and having a good time. So, yeah, and the, the final order of that top four could change around quite a bit, though. Any of the top three, even fourth place, I think, could make it into the top two for the double chance and all the rest of it with the um, sort of funky final system that they have there. So, yeah, that, they'll play through till Sunday and then finals will be
2: next week. Is it the Final Four or the Final Five in the Big Bash? Remind me, where have we got to at the moment? I know. It might be I'm
3: the Final sure it's Five. It's Final know. Four, but one and two playoff. Yeah, and so it's... Ma- it's a, and...
2: Yeah, I think it's I think in the women, it's Final Four with the McIntyre-Page Final Four as opposed to the McIntyre-Final Five. Uh, yeah, finals that's... format nerds will, will love that stuff. Because I know the men moved to the Five, didn't they, a couple of years ago, um, where they'd have the extra, yeah. extra final in there. But yes, yeah, so I, I never mind having a double chance built into a league stage. I feel like it's too you deserve if you finish first or second um, to have some advantage when you reach the postseason. so i'm glad they've moved away from the crude sort of first versus fourth second versus third
3: and surprisingly we haven't had the um, the bid to have that retrospectively applied to the world cup so that um yeah so so we've got we've got three, oh, they should have the, three finals um,
2: they, you know what we we've should have three for and, the, oh i've, I've three worked and it four, out i've worked it out three
3: and four playoff three and four playoff to play the loser of one and two that's right. and then the winner of that goes through to...
2: Play. Yeah, so that's the classical final for, you know, the, the McIntyre yeah. page. But I've just worked out the way the India can win the World Cup from the other day. Can't believe it's mm. taken me this long. The challenge system, the challenge system mm. used to be that if you finished top of the ladder and you didn't win the grand final, you could challenge who won the grand final. And that happened a number of times in the 20s where sides who didn't win the grand final... Because they'd finished top of the ladder, they had the privilege to challenge, per the system, right. uh, the, the the grand finalists, which would drag the season out an extra week and so on. But that's definitely happened. I know, like, Essendon and Collingwood both have got flags which came through that that model from way, way back huh. then in, in the early part of the 20th century. So that's the way India can win this, is they can now challenge Australia, because they didn't win the final and have it up them. So. Right. Um, it is possible if they want to change the okay. m- method retrospectively and play in front of 50 people. You know, uh, at well, lucky there's still a, a team time. there.
3: It's going to be a bit weird when Matt Short's opening the batting for Australia in the World Cup final number two <laughs> <laughs> in in Visakhapatnam.
2: Yeah, uh, Jeff, you, you mentioned the uh, the cane train uh, for Tassie. Uh, they've still got some chance of boarding it in the women's. Tell you what, that's what's happening in the men's. Uh, And by that, I mean the Tassie men's Sheffield Shield side are having a great season. I got it wrong last week when I said that we were in the final round before the break. There's one more round next week, starting on the 28th. But Mm -hmm. um, last weekend... Second thriller in a row for South Australia. Last week, they got over the line by you know, a couple of runs, um, knocking over Usman Kouaja, which what became the final ball of the game. This time around, they've lost by two wickets to um, WA at the Wacker. the Wackers at the Wacker In a game, they probably should have won in the end. So they made 192, the Redbacks. Nathan McAndrew, they're ever reliable with the ball. Well, he made 50 not out at mm-hmm. number nine. The top score with the blade to keep them somewhere vaguely credible. Um, midnight and Joel Paris, three for 32. Aaron Hardy called up to the Aussie squad in the T20 format, three for 11. Couple for Lance Morris. Then WA only make 204. They don't make the most Couple of it. Couple of Dev. Um, the, uh, the, uh, Beck Cartwright made 40, uh, the hotel. Uh, Nathan McAndrew, three for 39. Jordan Buckingham, three for 46. Then South Australia to keep... Um, with this theme of scores around 200, made 212. They were bailed out by the lower order for a second time. Ben Menenti made 66 at number eight. Harry Nielsen, 51 at number seven. For those who have been following Hunt's scores, I know you have been closely, Jeff. You made five and 16 until you missed out here mm. after making an unbeaten 160 last week in their win. And WA set 201 for victory. So, yeah, all four scores in that game were between 192 and 212. There can't be many... First class fixtures that have gone the distance where all four scores are that closely grouped. Anyway, one for Andrew Sampson. Four
3: scores and seven years ago.
2: Indeed. Um, and they get there in sixty-two overs, WA, their target of two oh one. But it's um, yeah, kind of keeping the theme of middling scores. Bancroft made twenty-seven to go with his twenty again in that in that race to replace Warner. Jaden mm-hmm. Goodwin had a fair bit of work to do. Twenty-one-year-old left-hander. They were one oh six for six and they're forty-seven for seven. Then T Wiley walks back out after retiring Hurt joins Goodwin, they get it to 168 for 8 when Wiley's out for 20. Then Corey Rochiccioli joins Goodwin and they get them home. 25 not out and 47 not out, respectively. So um, they held their nerve to win that game after losing one to New South Wales the previous weekend. And South Australia find themselves back in the pack. It feels like they've had a great season, but somehow they're fourth on 19 points, albeit with the teams grouped up pretty closely together at the moment. It's
3: still a much better season than a lot that they've had recently.
2: Yeah, I think they'll like. I think they'll make a shield final at some point with this group if they can keep them together. Um, Victoria back on the winners' list after playing it poorly at the Junction the previous week. Back at the G where they enjoy so much success. They've beaten Queensland by 119 runs. Some drama before the toss. So Michael Nisa was set to play, then had to leave and rush home because his twins were born. His partner Olivia. Um, had their twins and had to get back to Queensland as quickly as possible. They've, they've arrived a little bit early. So Neesert of missed out. Second time in a month, he's had to leave a game at short notice as well. And Steckity was also crook, expected to play, pulled out at the last minute. So Jack wildermuth who um, I was talking about earlier in the show, took the new ball instead. 27 overs, 12 maidens, 3 for 49 if you don't mind. Bowled out Victoria for 300, which, you know, you'd probably take if you were Queensland bowling first there. Harris made 73 after 100 last week. Hanscom, 66, started the season pretty well. The youngster, Kellaway, 48. And then Queensland, in response, only made 219, though, and Wildermouth after taking three wickets, top-scored with 40-odd. Lots of starts, they didn't go on with it. Scott Boland. Scott Boland, Jeff. You know, I think we both might have thought the Boland story was done. Maybe, possibly. It's not. It's not done. He bowled the house down, by all reports. Four for 47 in the first dig. Try and dig out the clip of him working over Bryce Street. It was quintessential Scott Boland. It's like,
3: oh, yeah. it's like 15 it deliveries. With, um, with, You've seen with it already. With Adam White's commentary. Yeah, um, yeah. With, really and, and Whitey's just, just losing his shit by the end of it. He <laughs> just does it. He's just like, oh, oh, another one, another one. Yeah, it's it's great commentary. He uh, himself.
2: Yeah, it's great commentary and great bowling. So, Victoria do the job with the ball. Then they make 190 for nine declared to set the game up. Sutherland made 66. They set Queensland 272, so they pulled out Um, early enough to give themselves a bit more time, and it worked perfectly. So Queensland were all out Mm. for 158. Renshaw, a double fail, three and two. I wonder whether it might be happening again Mm. for Renshaw. Another one of these seasons where early on he's got the chance to bang the door down and get in that test side, not immediately, but post-Warner. But, yeah, not a good time for a double Mm. failure. And Boland finishes... None of them have made runs in that round except Harris. Yeah, Harris, 73, is the only one. And Bancroft, a couple of starts. Boland, four more wickets to give him eight for the match at the perfect time. Oh, and Sutherland, the captain, picked up four as well. I wonder how many test matches Scott Boland might play this summer. I wonder how they'll manage the, mm. the you know, the, 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 the triumvirate, the Cummins-Hazelwood-Stark group. Yeah. I just don't know. I haven't really thought too much about it. I don't know whether they would have thought too much about it. I mean, Cummins uh, will play every week, mm. but is it in Stark's interest to play every week? Is it in Hazelwood's interest to play every week? Probably not. Um, they're going to win all five tests so unless it's, something it's new happens. It's, so not it's, not not a, it's not a summer with much going on.
3: And it's not ramped. Like the tests aren't crammed up because you've got, you know, shortish turnaround. Even Perth to Melbourne isn't that bad. And then Melbourne to Sydney yeah. has a couple of extra days yep. um, compared to what it could be. And then there's a reasonable break and, until, you know, because uh, sure. they've only got the five, they're, they're spread out through until the end of January. So I, I think they'll play. I don't think they'll be resting a rotation. I think they'll they'll just miss if there's actual injury. Mm, mm. How, how far how far off is Will Sutherland? Do you reckon from playing a Test match because he, he keeps taking wickets mm. and he's making runs. As
2: just well. think that like he's got a problem called Cameron Green, right? Like mm. I think Sutherland if he if he made more consistent Cameron runs. Cameron Green has a
3: problem called Cameron Green at the moment. Cameron Green needs to do something at this point. Like we all know the upside and we've all had the sell for a long period of time, but he's he was obviously spent by. The time the World Cup came around didn't have much left, like he needs to recharge the batteries and and do something in this test season otherwise he's you know i think his um his his blessed run will be will be over in terms of selection
2: i don't know, I don't know about that I reckon the Pfeiffer at Melbourne last year and then the hundred at at um at umbat was and I know it was a flatty and, and so on but i I just feel like greenscott like the investment is starting to pay off with him. I don't think they'll run the risk of messing with that hmm. by... I, I agree, I had a long, 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 yeah. long lead time, but it feels like this is where it's starting to pay off in red ball cricket. I don't know whether they'd run the risk because Aaron Hardy would be Except next to him. Except that
3: team, right? he, tanked, he tanked during the Ashes and yeah. was nowhere during the World Cup. And he, and he just looked exhausted. He looked like a guy who played too much cricket and needed to go home. Yeah. So whether, whether, you know, three weeks is enough recharge time for him to come back in the Test summer and have a real influence, and he might. You know, he's obviously good enough to do it. Like, I, I've seen every test that he's played. He's a terrific player. When he's at his peak, it's just that he hasn't been at his at his best for a while.
2: I wonder who's next in the queue might be the better question. Is it Hardy, mm. Sutherland, or Wildermouth? Yeah. Like it's probably Hardy. I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised if it wasn't Hardy. But Nisa, like, Nisa might be part of that conversation as well in the event where they... Let, let's say Green went down with an ankle injury was going to miss two test matches. Mm. Might it be that... They bat Kerry at six and Nieser at seven. I, you know, you yeah. can see a world where they But I also wonder
3: if if Sutherland couldn't just play as a bowler. You know, he's Because yeah. he's been consistent enough with the ball, um, True. he doesn't necessarily have to be a six. Can he be a eight. seven or an eight?
2: Yeah. yeah. It's good options. You know, The Aussie test side in three years' time is going to look very different to the one right now, right? And guys like this will be mm. in and around it. And so might some Tasmanians. If they keep playing as well as they have this season, they stay on top. Remember that chat we had with Louis a month ago, or well, maybe six weeks ago, with Louis Cameron about the Shield when he's like, you know, Tassie have been ravaged and and they're going to struggle. They could struggle based on who they're putting on the park. Well, not so. It might be the case that having to do more with less is working for them. They um, defeat New South Wales by an innings and one run at Bell Reef uh, over the weekend. So New South Wales all out 181. So after New South Wales beat um, WA the previous week, they skiddled early. Ollie Davies top score with 67. Uh, Henriquez made fifty. Gabe Bell four for twenty nine, and I'm going to call in the final words own. Lawrence Neil Smith, is that fair? The final mm-hmm. words own. Yep. Three Adopted. for fi- Yeah. Three for fifty seven. Tassie then go huge. As they've done consistently, like, their batting's been awesome. They make four ninety three after making five hundred at the Junction last week. Doran one eighteen by Webster one oh three after a Sufa. Bradley Hope one thirty two not out after being instrumental to that close chase in the fourth innings. Couple of weeks. Ago. Hope and Freeman. They do it again That's in the fourth innings or well, third innings, Jeff. You'll be you you'll be thrilled to hear that Hope and Freeman, um, and this is after you know they get all these overs into Bird and Tremaine and Chris Green for New South Wales. And New South Wales are all out three eleven in the second dig, one run short of making Tassie bat a second time. Uh, Ollie Davies completed twin fifties for um, New South Wales and. Chris Green made 61 not out, but Neil Smith, three more, so a six-wicket match for um, a guy we'll be keeping a close eye on. Jared Freeman, two for 17 from 15.5, and Bradley Hope, two for 42. Those two at it again. Tassie take the points, and um, they're ahead. They're clear. They're clear by four points. 28 they're on now. WA 24, Victoria 19, South Australia 19, New South Wales 14, Queensland 12, and the last round before the Big Bash break sees New South Wales host Tasmania, South Australia got Victoria, Adelaide Oval and Queensland have the Whackers at the Jabber.
3: There we go. That is the shield. That is the show because we have to mm. send this audio to DC we so do. that he Urgentland. can make a program. <laughs> um, sorry, DC. Things got a little bit out of hand as they tend to do when we start talking about... Will Sutherland's prospects for the Australian test team and all the rest of it. But this has been the final word, the homecoming episode in season 15. Here we are, we're back in Australia. We've got a big summer ahead of us. We've got test matches, we've got Christmas, we've got New Year's, we've got live shows, we've got live cricket matches. We're playing on December 3rd and on January 26th in Melbourne and in Sydney, respectively. Those are the games on the field and we've got the live shows on uh, December 11th in Melbourne and January 7th. Am I, is it 7th? You've
2: got it yeah, um, Sydney? this is the final call to action buy a ticket to the live show both ideally yep. tell your mates yeah. buy a Glenn Maxwell t-shirt they're still on sale uh, why not while well, you're here uh, that, that's a different link of course but it's still, all there <laughs> so I mean, to find sign up to run the Lord's Taverners uh, half marathon or marathon that's there in the notes as well if you're in the UK or if you're going to be in the UK yep. on the final weekend in May in 2024 to help raise money for the Lord's Tabs sort your super out seebysuper.com.au lots of things to remind you so of. so many
3: do. things to do yeah this is a, this is this, yeah, this is too much homework um, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be at the Melbourne show the sydney show and running a marathon in edinburgh in may but across the spread of those things you might be involved anyway and, 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 pl- and there time- might be
2: some though, the, 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 the perfect spread would be attend a live show play a final word game be it melbourne mm-hmm. or sydney right i can see yep. i can see people doing both of those signing up to the half marathon and buying a T-shirt and sorting your super out, that might be a bit much to us. but yep. you could do most of those things if you really wanted to.
3: You could sort your super out and use the use the dividends to buy a T-shirt that you wear to play <laughs> in the final word, 11, <laughs> and attend a live show. That is the, the clean sweep, and go. that is the end of the program. This All has right. been the final word. Jeff Lemon, Adam Collins, we'll see you very, very soon. ta I
0: had to go about it right